0: Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foose. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone welcome back to another episode on the health trip podcast how would you like to be ripped in your 50s and 60s why not who says it's too late i'm 54 years old i'm in menopause and i look and feel better now than i did when i was in my 20s how is it even possible well it's a lot of work daily dedication to my vision and figuring out my optimal lifestyle which includes nutrition supplements bioidentical hormones restorative sleep stress management and yes lifting heavy weights many times per week. It's a full-time job staying in shape, but the rewards are incredible. My clothes fit me better. I look better naked. I have a solid libido and I feel great, but it's not just vanity I'm going after here. It's also about what's going on under the hood. Lean muscle mass is our longevity organ, and it brings a lot to the table. Lean muscle mass increases your BMR or your basal metabolic rate, meaning that you burn more calories all day. It helps you burn stored fat every day. It reduces your risk for injury or falling. It improves your bone density. And during menopause, ladies, that should be of a huge concern for all of you. It improves your blood glucose control and insulin sensitivity. It increases your mobility, your strength, and supports heart and brain health. One of the biggest challenges my clients face is staying motivated or even getting motivated to get to a gym or create a home gym where they can lift heavy and build lean muscle mass. They make time to walk 20 minutes a day, they ride their bikes around their neighborhood, or they gravitate towards a treadmill or a step machine. And I'm all for any type of exercise that you love because then I know you're going to do it. But The science is speaking and weight training or resistance training is the best form of exercise for you when you are, especially in middle age, hands down. I'm not a certified fitness trainer, but as a health coach, I work with my clients to figure out what is blocking them from participating in this form of exercise and help them turn that mindset around so that they can motivate themselves and maintain a new routine where weight resistant training is front and center. Whatever the reason is, there's always a way to get back into it without fear of injury, without fear of exhaustion, and without fear of messing up their daily schedules. Today, I've invited a top tier strength and conditioning coach that I had the fortunate opportunity to meet and train with over 15 years ago. At that time, he was in the very early stages of his training under a Charles Poliquin facility outside of Chicago. But today he runs his own fitness empire in Michigan, training professional athletes from over 30 sports. David Lawrence is the CEO of Mecca Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes. He's also the head of education for the Poliquin Group. David is going to help you better understand how to optimize your health during middle age with fitness and nutrition and how to get back in the game or how to get in the game if you've never been lifting before and how to maintain your routine week after week without getting bored or hurt. So a little medical disclaimer before we dive in, by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or for making any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So let's dive in with Dave. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast.
1: Hi, Joe. How are you?
0: I'm good. It is so good to see you. The last time I saw you in person was probably over 15 years ago at the Poliquin Training Facility in Northfield, where you, I think, were getting your start in the field.
1: Exactly right. Yeah.
0: And you were, I think you were single back then. And now you're married with five little kids, you just told me. And so you've caught up to me, and that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago, it was 2011, 2012. So ten years ago, and oh, okay. I had just gotten married, and we um, and I left because we were having our first, and we wanted to move back closer to family. So, so we're not that old. <laughs> it might feel like it. I know. I actually
0: feel better now that it was only ten years. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Michigan, and then we're gonna dive deep into middle-aged working out.
1: Sure. So I started a gym called Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes, and the premise of the gym was that everybody's an athlete. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to make, uh, you know, uh, you're a professional athlete and you're trying to get a record contract or win a Super Bowl, or if you're somebody who's maybe had an injury or who hasn't worked out in a long time, and you're looking to feel better and get back in shape. Maybe, get, maybe you played sports in high school and you really miss what it felt like to maybe compete or just to feel your best or to have more energy. Those are the things that we do. So uh, Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes, Mecca, is um, like our acronym. And we do the most personal training in the state of Michigan. We have uh, 65 employees. We have three gyms in Michigan, one in Chicago, and one to open up down south very soon. So, wow.
0: Congratulations um, on all of that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And my big why, or, or the reason why we're, we're doing it and we want to grow is we just want to help more people. And so many people um, don't want to feel better. Everybody wants to feel better. Everybody wants to be uh, in great shape for them. Right. Right. And um, it's attainable. It's attainable for everybody, but most people don't know how to make the first uh, step. And that's where we come in, and it's so rewarding, it's so fulfilling, it's so fulfilling, and everybody can do it, and that's why we say everybody's an athlete, but it's an athlete for you, you know. So it's really cool. I I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, I love that. But you're also doing some education. You're the aren't you the director of education for the Poliquin Group?
1: Yep. So basically, um, we do all the education for um, Poliquin, which has been around since 2006. And it's a great company with a long history. That's where I got my start. And basically, uh, polyquin performance or Polyquin education is uh, the strength and wellness leaders in health and education for personal trainers and strength coaches. So we really train the trainers uh, if that makes sense. So yeah. that's one of the things that we do, and we uh, deliver really, really um, you know, high quality education, and it's it's a lot of fun. so
0: That's amazing, congrats on all of that. So today we're gonna talk about people like me, middle-aged men and women who again, wanna feel our best. We wanna live in the next few decades of our lives as vibrant and strong and energetic as we can. So have things changed? What's the current science on middle-aged people and exercise. Are we supposed to do two a days? Are we supposed to be running more than hitting the weights? Are we supposed to be, you know, just killing ourselves till we just can't even walk again? What what's the science saying?
1: Sure. So there's a great book, and it's called Spark, and it's what happens to the brain on exercise. So basically, everybody should exercise, but you have to find what fits with your lifestyle and what you really enjoy. That is so important. Yeah, It's not just exercising because some celebrity said, Hey, this machine, or this is the way to go. You have to do what number one feels comfortable for you. And that's something that's sustainable. So getting healthy and getting in great shape, especially if you're like not an athlete, there's no structure. It's about finding your routine and creating a structure for yourself and doing something that's That one is fun. We should all have fun. Like, that's the biggest thing, Jill, in life is too many adults uh, don't have enough fun. But like when we were kids, we always played sports. The way you learn is kinesthetic. So we've been wired, you know, through biology to learn and to grow and to develop using our body to learn. And most of us have forgotten our kinesthetic uh, learning language. And so we're sitting at a desk, just receiving information, but we're not actively doing or being an active participant. And that's, everybody should exercise. That is so important. It's finding the exercise that one you enjoy and that's sustainable that you can do. So I have a lot of um, tips that I'd love to share uh, with your listeners. That'd be, that'd be great too. So. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, but um, when you're When we're looking on social media and we're reading articles, and it's it's very heavy in weight resistant training as we age and how important that is. And so I love how you're saying we've got to find what we love and what makes us stay motivated and inspired to to get out there and move every day, whether it's a walk or jumping on your bike and just going for a nice cruise. But at the end of the day we're aging. My, my community is aging. And I can tell for myself that it's harder and harder to keep building the lean muscle mass and maintaining my lean muscle mass. I have to work so much harder. Lucky for me, I actually enjoy hitting the weights because I've always done that my entire life. Um, so it's, it's okay for me, but for a lot of people, this is really hard. And we need that lean muscle mass because it is our longevity organ. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. So optimally most people should lift weights three to four days a week. Okay. Some people in a lot of people, that's what you should get to. Now you could do more, but most of the population in the United States right now is super sedentary. They're not even moving at all. All right. So I'll give you what are like absolutely my best habits that I can do that that will literally um, help change your life for the better. So I think that everybody, if it's possible, you should exercise in the morning, first thing in the morning, but the exercise that you do doesn't have to be super intense. Okay. So what I do is the first thing in the morning, I get up and I hydrate. Okay. So I drink anywhere from 16 to 32 ounces of water. And then what I do is I do cardio for about 20 minutes. Okay. Or 30 minutes. And when I say cardio, for me, it's running or sprinting. I think sprint training is really important, but you have to build up to it. It's not something that you can just do. Okay. And then, but my favorite thing to do is to lift weights. Lifting weights is going to give you the best bang for your buck in terms of time spent by far. So there's a lot of things that happen when you lift weights. So um, when you lift weights, one thing that you're going to do is you're going to start building muscle mass. Okay. So we know from a lot of research and the longer, like you, you actually use the the term uh, muscles, your longevity organ. Okay. That's a great, um, that's a great term to use. Um, We know from Tufts University did a study on longevity. And one of the biggest factors in living um, a long time was how much muscle mass you had on your body at the end of your life. That is really, really important because the more muscle mass you have, the more stability you have in your joints. Okay. So it prevents against falls and slips. And if you have more muscle mass, um, there's different diseases, like muscle wasting diseases, like
0: sarcopenia. sarcopenia.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. the more muscle mass you have, the better you can prevent against that. But mm-hmm. another thing most people don't realize is you have sarcopenia, but there's also something called dinopenia too. So mm. it's the neural connection, the neural stimulus from your brain to your muscles. So it's not always just about muscle hypertrophy but it's also making the mind muscle connection that's the thing that we lose first so Mm. people can get stronger uh even into their 70s and 80s and 90s okay but what happens is people lose the speed okay the processing information from the brain to the muscles to work does this make sense yes they lose that faster so that's why it's really important to protect your brain as well as your as well as your muscles okay the muscles help with lifting weights, and that actually helps your brain a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, like motor learning, but you should also do motor learning in terms of uh, sprint training. is so good if you can do it. It's something that you should work up to. However, if it's not sprint training, maybe it's playing a sport like racco- racquetball, like pickleball, um, something where you have to engage your brain in space. Okay, mm. that's really, really important too, and hopefully have fun doing it. So. Um, but I recommend people to try, like a lot of your listeners are very healthy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is really good. Focus on being uh, like a movement machine. So figuring out ways that you can move. I had a friend of mine, he helped somebody lose 70 pounds. And the one change that this guy made is instead of taking the calls for his business, sitting at a desk, he started walking. Every time Mm. he got a call. he'd walk. And so he went from less than 2,000 steps a day to 25,000 steps a day. Wow. He lost 70 pounds. Well, that's going to change your life, right?
0: Yeah. So
1: those are the things where where everybody should lift weights. I really completely believe in that. And I really, I agree with you. That's something I really believe in. Um, But there's a lot of other things that you can do too. If maybe lifting weights is a bit intimidating, but if if you could pick one thing to do to uh, live longer, to be healthier, to protect your brain and your muscles, so they can grow and they can stimulate, it would be lifting weights. So,
0: yeah. So you know, the CDC. When I was um, in health coaching school, <laughs> we learned about fitness and the CDC recommendations. And the CDC recommends currently for adults to exercise 150 minutes a week, which can be broken down into like 30 minute, you know, little 30 minute intervals, five times, um, five days a week. And for two of those to be weight resistant training days, and that's just not enough. And so you're, I agree with you. It's gotta be three or four days. I I am never under four days a week because I know if I take one day off, it's like almost starting over. And what is that when you go on a vacation, maybe you take the weekend off and you get back to the gym Monday. And it's so much harder as we age to, it's, it's almost like I never worked out before.
1: So that that's actually uh, motor learning. So when I talked about dynopenia, mm. speed of uh, you know your neural connection. Okay, so how fast your brain can process the information. So it's not that your muscles can't lift the weight. It's that like when you go in, have you ever done like a real heavy set and you're like, oh my gosh, that was heavy. You don't yeah. do that right away. You warm up to it. Right. And so you're not just you're really what you're doing is yeah, you're getting your muscles warm in a generalized, but your brain, what's going on is your brain is learning the motor pattern. It's learning what muscles to fire, what muscles to shut off, what muscles to turn on and go to, put, to produce the force. So that's kind of why you feel that is um, you've kind of lost that uh, uh, neural connectivity, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. I, I work with a lot of people who have either never been in the gym and done weight resistant training. So they have never had a trainer. They'd never taken a class. They just, that's never been part of their routine before. Yeah. And now maybe they have to lose between 70 and hundred pounds and their joints hurt, right? They've got arthritis now, maybe they have osteopenia. Um, how, what is the best way to ease someone like that into weight resistant training?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing that they can do is there, if they have joint issues, is to push or pull a sled. And the reason why is because a sled, what, what happens is when you push a sled or you drag it or you pull it, is all you're doing is you're working on the concentric motion uh, of the lift or okay or the shortening of the muscles. Right? It's the eccentric lowering of the muscles that um, can pull on the tendons and ligaments, especially in the lower extremity. So when you push a sled or you, you, um, you, you, drag a sled, what you're doing is you're getting a lot of work in your muscles are working. There's blood flowing there. Okay. But it's easy on your joints, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, because it's only the concentric uh, portion of the exercise. So that's a great way to do it. Um, when I think, uh, Strength training is great for people with joint issues, all right, and because there's not a lot of pounding. So when you're running, okay, um, that's why I say if you can work up to it. But if you're running, like traditional cardio, I'm not a fan of traditional cardio. Um, what I what, when I say um, you know uh, you know aerobic work, okay, I'm I'm talking about a brisk walk, like an hour walk outside in nature. I think. Moving in nature yeah. is really good. I I'm talking about playing sports. I'm talking. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of traditional cardio,
0: like a treadmill or a, yeah. a stairmaster.
1: The one, yeah, the one thing that that can be good is if you need to move is walking uphill on a treadmill. That can be good because it's now there's resistance. So yeah. it's like the that's the great thing about lifting weights is there's resistance. So if you put the treadmill uphill. There's resistance and then you have to, you know, move against resistance. And for a lot of people, that's an unbelievable workout, especially if they're not in shape. And, and that's a great way to get you in shape. It's just Yeah, that's to a
0: great walk. point. Right. So. Because not everybody has a sled, right? Yeah. <laughs> not everybody has access to a gym with a sled. And yeah. a lot of people coming out of COVID don't want to go to a gym. People my age and older yeah. really have a fear of going to a gym. Also, maybe they got even in worse shape over COVID and put on another 30 to 50 pounds. And there's a level of um, embarrassment and and shame involved in that. Uh, So a lot of people are trying to create spaces within their homes. And so within the confines of someone's basement or someone's garage, um, and they don't have a treadmill, what would be another way for them to start firing up these these muscles?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's... so. The average weight gain for Americans during COVID, American adults, did you hear this? It was like the average weight gain was something like 27 pounds over two years. I was going
0: to say 30 pounds, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I believe 10% of Americans gained 50 pounds or more. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely awful. What? That's going to kill exponentially more people than COVID did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a horrible thing because people aren't moving. And so everywhere from like, you know, heart disease uh, to cancer, those are all different metabolic dysfunctions. Those are all driven by being overweight or being obese. Insulin resistance. Um, these are really big problems, okay? Yes. So if, if someone's like a bit apprehensive to go to the gym, you know, I, in their in are just starting, I think walking outside or biking outside is a great start. You're breathing fresh air in, which is really important to do. You're getting sun, okay? Seeing the sun, we absorb vitamin D also through our eyes, okay? So that's really important. Um, Something as simple as going to the beach and laying on the beach, especially with us in the Midwest, we only usually have about six months of great weather, (laughs) right? sun, going to the beach and sunbathing is really important too. And just relaxing. Most people are too stressed and they don't take enough time for themselves. So those are all factors that lead to poor health. All right. So yeah. if this makes sense. So I, I, I'm like a big you know, weightlifting person. I love, I lift weights. Um, I, I work out between eight and 10 times a week. And just, just depending, I love exercise. It's a big mental stress reliever for me. And I love self-improvement. So those are all really big things for me, but some people don't like exercising that much. And so just getting a start, you be in nature. is So important, especially if you live in the city. Okay. Try to find it, like go to a, a great park or go find yeah. a trail or get out of the city for, for a half a day and go for a walk. And, and that's so important. Or you, I mean, in Chicago, we have, we're right on Lake Michigan. It's beautiful. Right. Be nature, breathe, breathe the fresh air uh, and from, you know, being on the water. It's so great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, There are definitely clients that I work with who all they are ready and willing to do is to go outside in the morning and take a 10 to 15 minute walk. And that is it. And that is a great place to start. You have to start somewhere for other clients that are a little bit further down the road, who want a little bit more mobility, even though they have a lot of joint pain and a lot of they're carrying around a lot of body fat, um, I have suggested starting with stretching and Pilates type movements with using using bands or very small, you know, one to three pound weights that you can order from Target or Amazon and to put them in touch with someone who's online right now. I mean, we don't ever have to really leave our house anymore, right? (laughs) So you, if you're that person, that's not gonna go to a gym or a yoga studio or a Pilates studio or anywhere um, to work out, you know, how how do we tap into that inner motivated person that is hiding inside all of us, right? How do we tap into that?
1: So it's really about uh, building success and people have to work on liking themselves. Too many people don't like themselves. And so what you have to do is you have to say, What's one thing that I can do today that will make my day successful for my health? That has to be a priority. And if you do that, then you're going to like yourself, okay? And in, in that, like winning breeds more winning and you have to win for yourself. I, you have to play games with yourself. It's, it's really important. What's important to you? Okay, and what are you going to do to you know, accomplish that important goal? So for someone, it might be, you know, walking 15 minutes a day, but can we walk 15 minutes a day, twice a day? And I love what you said about stretching. We recommend that all of our clients stretch at night because the two things that you lose when you age are strength and flexibility. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're too intimidated to do strength training, which is fine, or they don't feel comfortable yet. We don't feel comfortable, but You could stretch at home and static stretch and build that physical quality and improve that physical quality. And I don't know about you, but when you stretch and you're stretching consistently and you're getting more flexible, you feel amazing. It's just unbelievable. You sleep better. Okay. You wake up with less joint pain. Uh, You feel like you can think better. You're more relaxed and laid back. You're not as intense. And everything just seems to flow a little better when you're stretching and you're improving your flexibility. It's great.
0: Yeah, I agree. So let's pivot now to someone who's more like me. I'm, I'm, There's a lot of middle-aged people who are in very good shape. We're active. We love the lifestyle. We, you know, really focus on what our goals are and are self-motivated. And we're in the gym hitting the weights. Yeah. What is the best way for us to work out? Do we do full body? Is it 45 minutes or is it an hour and a half? Do we... Um, Put in hit classes where there's weights and cardio. What what's the optimal workout for someone like me? And sure. for, And for and not just for a day, but like give me a whole week. Like what that would look like, Inc- yeah. including like recovery.
1: Sure, a- absolutely. So it really depends on what your goals are. So some people want to put on muscle, so that would be different than somebody who's wants to shed a little bit of body fat and get in you know, even better shape, that sort of thing. So let me tell you what my routine is. Okay. Because I'm unfortunately now (laughs) middle-aged for myself. I want to be young my whole life, but here we are. Right. So, um, so the first thing I do is I wake up at, um, I go to bed. My day actually starts, uh, at night and Mm -hmm. I have a night routine and a morning routine, which is really important. And my life is so crazy. I, I I've got, I'm running a couple different companies. Uh, I sit on a board for another company. Um, I've got five kids. I'm also married, right? <laughs> you have all these things that you, you're juggling. Right? So, but the things that I can control is how I start my day and how I end my day. And that gives me structure and that gives me peace. So the way I, sh- I go to bed uh, anywhere between nine and 9.30, but my, my bedroom- routine- Wait,
0: I just want to time out for a second. Sure. I want everyone listening to this man who has five children and multiple companies and trains all these people and he manages to find his way into his bedroom crawl into his bed between 9 and 9:30 9 p.m. because i cannot tell you how many people say they cannot do that with maybe no children at home they're empty nesters.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, as you know being a mom, uh once there's such a big difference between be having kids and not having kids like the amount of stress that you uh, become accustomed to tolerating, <laughs> right, and things completely outside of your g- control. It builds a lot of mental toughness and a lot of resilience. Like being a mom or a dad is a—it's tough, and <laughs> um, you like it's a—it's a physical fight because you're a lot of times you're not getting sleep. Uh-huh. It's a mental battle. You're worrying about things you cannot control. And, uh, sometimes your kids, I like to tell my wife, they're trying to mentally dominate you, (laughs) You right? So you're, you're, it's, it's a lot of, it's a huge struggle and, Mm -hmm. but it's great. It's, it's, it's so wonderful. More people should have kids. There's nothing that will enrich your life more than, um, than being a mom or a dad, uh, because it's so self-giving. So my day starts my, my, the next day for me starts really at eight o'clock and that's when the kids are going to bed. Uh, because we want our kids to be happy, we want them to be healthy, and we want them to be smart. And so they go to bed at eight o'clock. That's when they they they're Love going that. to bed. Yeah. And um, that's important for, for us to show a good example for our kids. So it's um it's I call it the the three SJ. Okay. It's um supplements, okay. I okay, supplements, mm-hmm. shower, sleep. Okay. Or I'm sorry, supplements, shower, stretch. So you can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then the J is journaling at times, okay? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's a lot that's going on here and sometimes you have to just dump. And one of the things I've already said is you have to work on liking yourself. Mm-hmm. So many things will happen the day where you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. People are very hard on themselves, including myself. And so it's so therapeutic to journal. And it's so untherapeutic to be grateful for the good things that you have in your life because we're mm-hmm. so blessed. You live in America right now, you're pretty blessed. You have a roof over your head. You know, most of us have a roof over our head. Most of us, if we want, we have a car that we can drive um, to get to work. We all, you know, most of us have a cell phone that we can talk to anybody in the world in 30 seconds. It's a very blessed life we live. And so getting back to the basics and saying, thank you. Thank you for all these things. Even though my life is crazy, but I'm so blessed. That's very Mm -hmm. important. So uh, I take, uh, I have a supplement that I take. So magnesium, I'll take magnesium at night. There's a supplement cocktail that I'll do for sleeping, depending on how stressful the day was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but magnesium thionate is really, really a great supplement. It, it's yep. a magnesium that has an affinity for the brain and the spinal cord. So it's really good.
0: It's the um, only form of magnesium that actually crosses the blood brain
1: barrier. Yes. Yeah. So that's a great, yeah. So, um, I'll also have inositol, L-theanine, uh, mm-hmm. a different form of magnesium as well. Sometimes glutamine and glycine too. Mm-hmm. So that's a kind of the, the what I do. And I uh,
0: actually do the exact same cocktail.
1: Okay. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We're actually formulating a product called, um, called the uh, Poliquin uh, uh, BSE best sleep ever. Oh, I love that that formula. And, you know, I'm
0: glad that you're bringing up supplements because, um, this is a huge part of fitness, right? This is, it's, it's the whole spectrum is the sleep, the nutrition, the relieving of your stress, the, um, supplementation, because we can't get everything we need from our food and our body. When we exercise requires more micronutrients than for somebody who's not exercising
1: a hundred percent. And the, the soil has been so depleted, especially yep. of minerals like magnesium and zinc. And we have so much more stress now. Yeah. And yep. then if you're sweat, you're going to deplete magnesium and zinc and other, you know, mm-hmm. different, um, vitamins and minerals. So it's really important. Uh, magnesium is a great, great thing. That's awesome that you do that. That's, that's mm-hmm. really good. Jill. and then what I do is after I do that, I'll take a warm or hot shower for five to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it just relaxes me and it starts calming me down. And it starts becoming a trigger for me. It's, oh, it's time to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then what I'll do is I'll stretch for about 10 to 15 minutes at night, maybe 20. I'll do something called yin yoga. It's long stretch uh, stretches and it's long passive holds. So I'll pick three to five different stretches. And, um, and then, you know, I'm ready for bed and sometimes I'll journal. So those are the three S's for sleep Great. at night. So, and then I wake up in the morning. Uh, first thing I do is hydrate. Um, so what I'll do is uh, 12 to 16 ounces of water, just water. And then another 12 to 16 ounces of water with electrolytes in greens. And um, I might have something else in there, but that's usually the, the basic. And then I will do sprint training um, four times a week. So, cause I want to try to keep, that speed component for my brain and my muscles turning on quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we don't, you know, that's something that we all used to do. You all used to sprint to chase, to go hunt. So, um, I'll, that's like a 20 minute workout. That's pretty quick, but I'm, I, I'm sweating and my brain is turned on. And then the next thing I'll do, and this is at five o'clock in the morning. So run it from, and I'm not a morning person, but I've developed this habit. hmm Um, Because when I exercise in the morning, I'm so much more switched on with my brain. So the next 20 minutes after that is I'll, for me, I'll read the Bible. Okay. And I'll pray and I'll be, I'll pray for people in my life and I'll have like a gratitude. I'll offer my day to God and offer my day for my friends and my family. And my goal is to battle-proof my heart and my mind and my soul so I can go out into the world and, um, deliver, um, what I'm supposed to do and not get distracted by all the different things that are swirling around or going on. So I can love, so I can serve, so I can be of use for other people. And then from, you know, for, um, from the next 20 minutes. So from five forty to six o'clock, um, what I'll do is I will either, I'll start cooking breakfast and I'll um, read. So I always learn something for the first, and and then after I eat breakfast, I'll start working. Uh, So I work usually from six to eight o'clock with no interruptions. And it's the best three hours of my day. I get so much more done and I'm so much more productive. And then usually after that, I'll go into the office and and start working. so.
0: So you're eating your first meal for a traditional, you know, traditional time of eating a breakfast. Mm -hmm. And that's not really centered around a workout because I do want to talk about exercise nutrition. I think it's really important for people to, um, get their pre-workout and their post-workout, right? Some people don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll make a statement. I'm not like right now I have, I'm six foot, I'm 220 pounds, uh, right now, like I always want to build muscle, but have like a lot of muscle. Okay. The thing for me is moving more and getting stronger for my body weight. If I was trying to build muscle, I, um, I would probably be doing two workouts a day and I would definitely eat food before I worked out. So I believe in that a lot.
0: So I love that you hydrate in the morning with No coffee, but you're like me and I do electrolytes, right? I always start with my electrolytes. I think that's really important. People have to understand that when you drink coffee, especially caffeinated coffee, for every cup of coffee you drink, you lose, I think it's about a half a teaspoon of sodium in your body. And you have to replenish that plus put more in. Sure. Right. You're
1: absolutely 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I love that. So you're not sitting around having two and three cups of coffee.
1: I do drink a lot of coffee because I love it, but um, I, yeah, I, I, I I am a coffee drinker, but I don't do it first thing. I think that's a really bad thing to do. Um, So, but the also the thing is, um, like I, I also don't need coffee either. I can, I can just go and work. And usually, what I'll do is I'll have coffee. Uh, Because I want to sometimes um, mid morning, I'll have coffee like mid morning, but my first um, definitely my first hour I'm up I'm working And when you sweat first thing in the morning you don't need coffee at all. So
0: Right. And also when you sweat for every hour you sweat, I believe you lose a teaspoon of sodium. And once you start losing sodium, all the other electrolytes become out of balance, your potassium and chloride and your magnesium. So you've got to replenish. And so let's, let's segue into um, exercise nutrition and really how to help someone. Let's assume that we're talking about the person who's working out, maybe even in a fasted state in the morning. Right. So someone's getting up. So you get your, you do your sprints in the morning. I'm thinking more traditionally like me, who's actually doing the full workout in the morning. I get, and that's what I do before work. I get up, I hydrate, and then I get my workout in for, you know, somewhere probably around 45 minutes every day. So what does that, what would a pre workout drink look like in terms of, are there electrolytes? Are we doing, I want to talk about BCAAs versus EAAs. Are we putting in um, other types of like a nitric oxide booster in there? I, I do that actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what are some options that could look like in terms of a pre-workout drink, or maybe someone wants a pre-workout meal and how far ahead of time does that have to be before the workout?
1: Yeah, sure. So if you want to optimize uh, muscle mass, I'm a big fan of Um, eating breakfast before you train so but let's say you're working out like you you're working out early in the morning like that's the first thing you do when you get up it's probably not realistic right if you're trying to optimize putting on muscle uh you would definitely want to train a little later and have breakfast first but if you're waking up um what i would do is i would do electrolytes i would do collagen and i would do um there's a product called um uh, Electrolyte Synergy, and it's from Designs for Sport, and I'm on the board for the company, but they have, uh, their electrolyte uh, formula has almost two grams of vitamin C in it, and vitamin C allows collagen to be more absorbed, so it's a great product, so, um, and I would do greens, um, but for optimally, you would have breakfast. I would recommend eating 30 to 50 grams of protein in the morning, depending on how you know, large you are and how much, how well you can digest your food. And then to, and you can wait an hour. Some people will need to wait a little bit longer than that before you start training, before you start training, I would take, uh, branched-chain amino acids, uh, and, it, um, EAAs, okay. Essential amino acids. If you're trying to put on muscle, uh, leucine is the main driver. Okay. Of my muscle growth and muscle hypertrophy. Okay, so you're gonna want, there's all this research that says um, you don't need BCAs, you just need EAAs. I, I've seen the research, I've read the research, practical experience, I found when the leucine threshold is not high enough, you're gonna be losing out on muscle mass gains. So that's why I'm a big fan of BCAAs, okay? And BCAs at a four to one to one or a five to one to one ratio, of leucine to isoleucine to valine. So So
0: let's let's break this down a little for people who don't know what we're really talking about. So BCAAs are branched chain amino acids and they contain three amino acids. They contain leucine, isoleucine and valine, right?
1: Yep, valine, yep.
0: Okay, and then EAAs are essential amino acids. And so these are the amino acids that our body, it's essential for us to get them from diet because our body does not make these amino acids. Yes. And so within the EAAs or the essential amino acids are the BCAAs. So BCAAs are those three amino acids we just talked about, but EAAs I believe are nine amino acids that include those three BCAAs. And I love that you're talking about leucine because I talk about this all the time, trying to get my clients to eat more protein. Most women are under eating protein. And as we go through menopause, um, it gets even worse for women. They, they, start gaining weight around their midsection. And then they, they just start not eating the proper amount of foods, um, but especially that protein. And so in at least 30 grams of protein, I believe you get two and a half to three grams of leucine, which is a the amino acid that stimulates protein muscle synthesis. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: Absolutely. awesome. So that's why you're saying you've got to at least get 30 grams of protein in. But I can tell you, Dave, Nine out of 10 of my clients are not eating breakfast that early in the morning. They're just not. And so I want to be realistic for for them and, you know, make sure they understand for a pre-workout drink, you know, when do you start that? And so I like that you do the collagen. I like that you do the electrolytes. I actually put my amino, um, my EAAs and my BCAAs in that drink.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: And then I start that about 30 minutes ahead of my workout. Is that
1: fantastic? That's, that's really good.
0: Okay. Okay, good. That's something
1: that's what I would do too. So yeah.
0: If you're not eating.
1: If you're not eating, yes, absolutely. I would, I would do that if you're not eating, I would do that if I would do that same thing if you were eating before that. But like, let's say some people aren't going to wake up as early. So some people wake up, they don't wake up at four or 45. They wake up, wake up at seven or they wake up at eight o'clock. I'm telling you like the biggest thing to improve fat loss, I mean, to improve your metabolism is eating breakfast, whole breakfast. That's really, really important. And most, and the reason is, is most people don't have an appetite because they've overeaten the night before. I agree with that. So that's the biggest reason it's because you're full from the night before you don't feel good because your digestion was working when you should be sleeping. Yep. So in, in our experience, and we have something called transformation. So we've had over 150 transformations in the last um, basically four years at Mecca. Um, those are tier one. Now we have other transformations, but these are people that have changed their body composition by at least 40 pounds, tier one transformation. And we have hundreds more that have done less than that. You change your body composition by 40 pounds in you know three to six months or nine months or a year, that's a lot had multiple people change their body composition over hundred pounds and there's different things like there's specific habits eating breakfast is a is very important the other on the flip side of that is uh, not eating after 7 p.m if your goal is to lose weight okay we're not just talking about maintenance or or, you know having but if your goal is hey i need to lose weight you need to stop eating by 7 p.m agreed the reason why 7 p.m is usually it's not a big ask. Okay. So usually you can get pretty good compliance, but what we found is people who are overweight, okay. Or over fat, they eat between 70 and 90% of their calories past 4 PM. And most of those calories past 7 PM are all junk calories. It's pizza. It's ice cream. It's, we had a client that said, I wasn't our client. He's a friend, a friend of mine. We were doing a consult for, he's like, I think I could get my client to lose weight, but he eats, uh, over 5,000 calories after you know after dinner, <laughs> and wow. it's like oh my gosh, because what happens is people do quote unquote intermittent fasting, which yep. can have some benefits. However, most people are lazy, and let's be honest with ourselves. I'm not trying to judge anybody, but if you want to be healthy and you want to lose weight, um, you need to make sure that you're giving your body the right nutrients. And most people are starved and they're stressed okay, they're starved and they're stressed. So their cortisol is through the roof and they're yeah. not doing anything to bring it down. So they reach for, uh, fat foods that are going to bring that cortisol down. Okay. And, and, and provide some quote unquote homeostasis. And so that's where all the junk calories come in. So that's why I'm a really big uh, fan of, um, eating breakfast And one of the best quote unquote diets is um, something called the slow carb diet by a guy who wrote a book called Tim Ferriss. And in that they had three meals a day of 30 grams of protein, but the first uh, meal a day had to be eaten within 30 minutes of waking up. And they said that was the biggest predictor and they had uh, tens of thousands of clients. That's the biggest predictor of weight loss is how is eating um, 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. And we found that the same to be true with our clients that are looking for weight loss that are severely obese, and it's 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 very helpful. And yeah, there's a, a lot of different I could, left.
0: I I could see that. You know, when I um, work with people who are chronically over intermittent fasting and meaning they're yeah. eating till maybe seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And then they do a fast until like two the next day, you yeah. know, that, that eating window is so small. It's so late in the day that either they're not going to get in enough calories and enough protein, especially the protein and grams, because how many women do you know can pound 100 grams of protein between like 2 and 7 p.m.? You just so can't much. do it. I, yeah. If anyone could do it, I could do it as a, as a mostly carnivore type person. Yeah. And I I can't do that. Um, and I'll eat a ribeye in the morning.
1: <laughs> and, yeah. Or
0: or I see the flip side where people are so hungry by two o'clock and they haven't eaten all day, either they got too busy or they have in their mind that they've got to intermittent fast all these hours and then they get triggered and go haywire and eat all the crap that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And, and what? so uh, one thing that um, we teach in um, a class that we teach for polyquin is we teach something called biosignature modulation. Okay. And it's a 14 site body fat test, but we teach habits. Okay. And the, the first 30 grams of protein that you consume during the day. Okay. That goes to detoxification of your major organs. All right, the second 30 grams of protein that you eat, okay, goes preferentially, okay, to repairing the immune system, all right? And you need all of those, uh, th- those proteins because they get broken down and converted into amino acids. Well, if you don't have those amino acids, you're not going to have the right brain chemistry to be at your best during the day, to produce dopamine, okay, to produce uh, serotonin, uh, to produce the, the different neurotransmitters that you need to produce you're also not gonna have the energy levels, okay? So there's no fuel uh, to the fire, all right? So you're not gonna be able to go. And, um, and if you're not, if you don't have the protein, okay, how do you detoxify, all right? You need, you need amino acids for detoxification. So uh, all of those reasons are, are the, those are the reasons why I'm a big fan of eating breakfast because that kick starts your metabolism. And your metabolism and how well your metabolism functions is a sign of thyroid health. And the the better your thyroid is, okay, the easier it is to be healthier. And it's yes. very important.
0: Yeah, I love that. All great advice. Let's talk about post-workout nutrition. Sure. So I've always learned that you have this 45 minute window to eat post-workout or drink post-workout. And it has to be a lean protein, about four ounces, something like that. And this is the time where you could also include carbs. So if you were doing a protein shake, it could look like water, protein powder, and you could do a carb powder, or you could put in your frozen berries and banana. For someone like me, who's extremely low carb, you know, I just would do protein. But is, is that still relevant information or has this changed? Because I, I recently um, read some science about it being a four-hour window that you really don't have to rush home and within this 45-minute window, get this protein and perhaps the carb in to replace that lost glycogen. So maybe we need to even talk about what is glycogen and, sure. why is it, and, and, and where is it stored in our body and why are we
1: talking about this? Sure. So... I'll just, I'll kind of take a couple steps back. It really just depends on your goal and it depends on how hard you trained. So, and so if you're trying to put on muscle and you trained really hard, let's say your goal is to put on 10 pounds of muscle in the next three months, because you feel like that's something that you need to do for your health. Well, you're definitely going to want to get protein in right after. You're not going to want to wait four hours. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's say you're somebody that um, really is would just like like to maintain where their body's at right now. Getting a protein shake, although it would be really good, okay, isn't going to cost you as much as someone who needs to gain muscle mass. The body always wants to stay in homeostasis. So when you train and you impose a demand into the body, you need to give countermeasures. So, but it depends on how much of that demand you impose and how hard you uh, impose that demand. And that's gonna determine the countermeasures that you give, whether it's you need to get more sleep the next night, okay? Or you need to increase your calorie intake. Um, One thing I would like to say is that I learned this from Dr. Eric Serrano about three months ago. And he said, it's extremely important in your protein shakes not to strip out the fat. So don't go, don't use a whey isolate in what he's seen in blood work for the last 30 years in food sensitivity testing is if you use protein without a fat, uh, attach, uh, a fat, okay. You become uh, allergic to that protein. For example, how many whey proteins do you know? Uh, how, a lot of them are hydrolyzed and they've stripped out all the fat, right? Well, because they want, um, you know, uh, you to absorb okay and to raise your blood sugar more and dr eric serrano said that's not a good way to go long term because you develop food allergies what protein do you know that we eat has uh doesn't have any fat to it uh in the world what animal protein do you know that doesn't have any fat in it that we would normally eat he i was like i don't know he's like beef has fat um you chicken know, breast <laughs> yeah if you take off the if you you know if you take off the you know, the skin, if you don't eat the skin and and, any of the organs and and, and that sort of thing, people used to eat those. Right. And so it's important to have fat. So what we've done with our protein is we've, um, we've added some fat back in not a lot, but just enough. So we have a a protein blend that we use. 80% is like a whey or a beef protein, for example, Mm -hmm. 10% is a collagen peptide blend. Mm -hmm. And then 10% is a MCT oil and uh Rich Jacobs is the one he he teaches for us at Poliquin and he's a uh expert in nutrition and uh, functional medicine practitioner and that's a blend that he came up with that's very very good so that's
0: so interesting dave because i've always learned and thought and lived by not having any fat right after in that short window in that 45 minute window post weight resistant workout um, because that would slow down the absorption of the protein or, or the, if you had carbs in there that would refuel your, the lost glycogen in your muscle tissue.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I was taught that as well. And, huh. um, and yes, fat will slow down the absorption process sl- um, slightly, and you can still add your carbohydrates back in there. Um, but again, it's like, it's about what your goals are. Um, I don't think that any athlete or any one of us should develop food sensitivities or food allergies, okay? Because then you're going to start when you're, you know, eating that that protein or that food, your body will start rejecting it and not being able to absorb those nutrients, and you'll start creating all um, uh, oh, different things um, like uh, cytokines and histamine release, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's that's problematic. And that's where you're not going to absorb uh, those amino acids. So for your long-term health and for um, muscle mass and developing great athletes is about getting athletes healthy and helping people get healthy is about eating foods that they can absorb and they can bring into their body. So we, we want to be very cognizant of then, even if it's you know around a post-workout meal. I'd rather take uh, a little bit slower absorption, a little bit slower absor- absorption of different nutrients than um, make somebody be uh, have like a low grade allergy or sensitivity to a food.
0: So if someone was making a protein shake post-workout, how much fat would you add in? I know in your blend, you have it already mixed in, but would it be a tablespoon of almond butter or yeah. or frozen that, that be- avocado?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, you wouldn't do a okay. lot, but I would okay. have something attached to it. Yes. Okay, and that's coming from Dr. Eric Serrano, who's okay. absolutely brilliant. He has a family medical practice in Ohio, and he was just inducted into the Strength and Conditioning Hall of Fame. So he works with. Uh, I went to visit him, and he had he had just got done working with three professional athletes, and then um, a couple people that were mental health crisis. So he sees the whole spectrum and he's absolutely brilliant. And I have learned a lot from him. So.
0: Very interesting. Let's just talk about recovery. Um, before we end, how important is recovery? Because there are people who do not take any time off. I used to be that person, you know, I, you know, because for me working out is also, um, kind of a moving meditation. It was my time away from my family and it was just for me. And so I sought that out every day for like an hour. Uh, But now I'm finding as I age and going through menopause that that recovery is almost more important than the exercise, than the workout. Sure.
1: So uh, recovery, it's basically should be, your recovery should be built into your lifestyle as much as possible. The number one thing you could do is sleep. Okay, uh, being a good sleeper is very important. It's a lot harder with five kids, okay? But the thing it, about habits and about doing all these things, it's not about being perfect, Jill. It's about being consistent and building habits. So yeah. what we say, if you're doing great, we have you know, five big things that we, you know, we call them the five pillars of successful um, training and transformation. So we call them the five pillars of Mecca. And we try to get our clients to do them. If you're doing those 80% of the time, it's a win. It's a huge win. What are the five pillars? So the five pillars are trained four times a week. Okay. Mm -hmm. With, with, with weights. Okay. Um, Number two is nutrition. So we use 30 grams of protein three times a day is a minimum. Now we like most of our clients to do more, but that's Mm -hmm. a minimum. Um, when we do dietary recalls, the average high school athlete, uh, eats between 30 and 50 grams of protein a day. These are high school athletes. It's crazy. Yeah. So I believe it. <laughs> um, so it's stretching, uh, six days a week. Um, it's, um, hydration. Okay. So getting, hitting a water goal and hydration and supplements go together. Mm-hmm. And the last one is extra output. So people should come to the gym, at least do strength training at least four days a week, but then they should do, they should be movement machines outside of, um, outside of the gym. There's, was there 168 hours in a week? I think there's 168 hours in a week and you're going to be in the gym four to five hours a week. You need to, you need to move your body besides that. And so those are the five pillars that we do.
0: I love that. And so wait, back to the workouts, optimal workouts. I, we didn't, you didn't answer this question because we went down a different uh, rabbit hole, but full body in middle age, or do you split the body parts up?
1: Depends how, if you train with weights three days a week or less, full body. If you train four days a week or more, um, you split the body parts up. That's a great way to go. If you're looking for fat loss, okay, in your training, um, like body composition, Purely mm-hmm. body composition goals, mm-hmm. full body, four, five, uh, six days a week are fine. If you're looking for um, strength and muscle mass, split those body parts up because you, you want to impose more specific damage. The more specific damage you impose, uh, the more you're going to be able to grow. Okay. And um, if you're training uh, like an upper lower split, you're looking at uh, peripheral blood flow which is going to raise growth hormone, which is going to get your heart pumping more. And that's going to allow you, the more growth hormone you produce, the more fat loss you can induce. So Mm -hmm.
0: Um, when it comes to body composition, you were talking about body composition goals before I always, I am not a fitness instructor, but I help inspire and motivate people to get out there and and do all of this hard work. And it is hard work, by the way. And it can be fun, hard work, (laughs) but it's hard. (laughs) Um, I am a big proponent of going to get either a DEXA scan or an in-body scan or using the calipers, but somewhere in the beginning stages of your health and fitness journey, getting the blood work, getting the DEXA scan, seeing what your body composition is. So you can maybe, you know, nine to 12 months later, go back and revisit that and see what you've changed
1: absolutely so we will do um uh, calipers so calipers are great uh it's non-invasive it's it's really easy to do and it's cheap um and so then you can see we look at total millimeter skin fold uh for the entire body and there's also a hormonal component that we can start uh specifically prioritizing different diets which is really cool the thing um that I actually like to just touch on really quick with recovery. Uh-huh. If you could, if you could pick one thing, if I could give you one tip that's changed my life, uh-huh. it's getting massage at least once a week. So I get a massage one to two times a week and that's done more for my stress and my anxiety and than anything else I've ever done. So yeah.
0: I would agree with that. I second that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. I go once a month, but I think once a week might be a stretch for a lot of people out there, but maybe once or twice a month is a great place to start.
1: Yeah. So what I found with getting massages, each massage builds on the next one. So you yeah. can go deeper and deeper. And what I found is it does more for me and my brain than anything else.
0: But what I love about your approach to this in this podcast about exercise is that it's not all about being in the gym and beating ourselves up until we can't walk. You're really embracing outside of the gym, the whole full lifestyle, right? Looking at our stress, looking at our relationships with people in our lives. Um, Obviously, nutrition and sleep is huge, but really embracing all of it and not seeing it as all these different segments, but they're all one together and connected. And just like the biochemistry in our body, we have to take care of the outside and the inside. And I really liked your approach. You know, I was kind of expecting a, a typical fitness instruct, you know, fitness guru to come on and you know you need to do like this many squats and this many pull-ups and you know this much you know for for whatever the goal is. And you've really um brought to the table all of this other information that I don't think people really correlate with how well they're then going to perform when they do get to move and do the things they love to do.
1: Yeah. We're not just physical beings. We're also spiritual beings. We're emotional beings. We have relationships. We're human beings. right? right? And we need to take that care of that human side uh, of us. We all have dreams. We all have fears. We all have desires. And so many people live in a repressed uh, life because they're afraid or they're hurt. And we all have to work on ourselves. And that's why I said, we all have to work on liking ourselves. And yeah. that's a process. It's a daily process because life is hard and, um, and you only get one shot at it. Right. So- Absolutely.
0: And all in the negative energy, and I have seen it in my, in my clients, negative energy and a negative mindset um, and being close-minded can manifest itself in physical pain, joint pain and mobility issues. And so learning to um, learning to embrace all of this that that you've shared with us is how we're going to perform our best also in the gym, on the tennis court, or you know, on our bike. And I absolutely just love that about this conversation. So thank you so much. Where can people find you, Dave?
1: Yeah, um. Michigan Elite Conditioning for Athletes. So www.mechastrong.com. And we just opened up a gym on the North Shore of Chicago. Which is where I met you. Yes, that's it. So uh, we um, took over the gym uh, this month. Uh, It was an existing gym. And we're so excited to bring all of those components I talked about. um, Obviously, from the physical. Um, And the the health aspect of like working out and lifting weights, but also uh, emotional support and really helping people with those five pillars. So I love that uh, it's a great it's a great place to um, work out. It's a great place for athletes. It's a great place if you've never worked out before. Um, So in in it again, what we talked about, Jill, is it's the best return on your investment that you can make is strength training you know, for your time, if you're going to do an activity. So
0: absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave. It was so yeah. nice to see you take care of all those five kids.
1: Okay. Yeah. And yeah.
0: I will put all of your uh, contact information in the show notes. And I know that there's going to be a lot of golden nuggets here that people are going to walk away with and hopefully feel very inspired to get moving, whatever that is to them. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jill. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again,
1: stay healthy.